Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here. Let me get my notes up. Men's Retreat, if you're not signed up and you'd like to go, our Men's Retreat's fantastic. We joined several other churches to go to Young Life's camp up in Williams, which is the best camp in the Southwest. It's pretty impressive. And then we, um, we have three days. I'll be speaking the first night, um, and then we have different pastors speaking the other, um, about being a champion, about being contender in life, and it's going to be really good. If you go out the doors, you can see there's a, on the, on the sign back there how to sign up, text um, to um, get you involved and get you signed up for men's retreat. So make sure you do it. We have about 40 guys, close to 40 guys coming from our church, which is really exciting. Uh, I want to thank you. Last weekend I was um, away, and I appreciate allowing me to go cel- um, celebrate Floyd's memorial service. Many of you met Floyd McClung. He's like a father um, to this movement, like a spiritual father to me. And uh, he passed away several weeks ago, and they had a celebration service of his life in Kansas City. And I'm glad I got to go because I just really feel like I would have regretted not being there in person. You could have watched online, but just the impact that he's had in my life is the impact he's had on this congregation and hopefully your life as well. Um, and then Judy and I um, diverted to Chicago on the way home, and it just so happens that the Diamondbacks were playing the Cubbies at Wrigley. So, like, I had to do that, right? And believe it or not, believe it or not, the Diamondbacks lost. So, <laughs> so I, and then finally, maybe, we'll see. Um, I need you to pray for me because Friday I bit into something and I chipped, I cracked a tooth. And so I went in yesterday to find out and sure enough, they're going to have to extract it. Um, but it's a lot cheaper to go down to my dentist in Rocky Point to do that. So we're going to be leaving either this afternoon or tomorrow morning um, for that. But with the situation that I'm dealing with with my neck, um, just a couple minutes yesterday with them looking at it really sent me to another level. Because my neck, for those who've been around long, I've got a, um, a degenerative thing that's happening in my neck. They just sort of resolved that I'm going to need a, um, a and second opinion that they want to do a um, posterior laminectomy where they go in for eight vertebrae and then they'll fuse them together. So um, my neck doesn't go backwards basically right now. Um, so need to say when you got a dental thing and they're going to be yanking in there on your tooth, um, I need your prayers because <laughs> i got to figure out how to get through that. And um, it's going to save a lot of money, of course, to go down there. I was talking to some people today, and I thought, you know, the better move would be to go to a mechanic place where they can, like, lower you down. <laughs> and then the guy gets the little roller underneath. He just rolls underneath, gets a pair of pliers, and we're good to go. <laughs> that's a good idea, right? I mean, that's the way we do it. No. <laughs> so it's like, no, over here. Um, um, and uh, so I'm feeling a little rough today after yesterday's um, and didn't sleep well. I probably should have tagged out this morning, called in sick, but I can't do that because I, min- I did the, ministry, the message. Um, and uh, I just need your prayer on that because um, we're going to try to push this surgery off as far as possible because it will change my life when they have to do it. And I'm hoping that I don't have to do it, but it's beyond um, chiropractors. I have great, wonderful friends that are chiropractors. It's beyond them. It's beyond everybody. 
Um, there's only one physician right now that can take away all the arthritis and slippage and bone spurs, and his name is Jesus. So that's where I got to put my trust. And we pray and believe and hope for healing, um, but I also need to be responsible as I wait um, and seek medical professionals. And um, if one day, perhaps surgery is the best option, what I know is that no one in this church family will ever judge me for that and for my faith. Um, recently, we went to a gathering um, this group had for church staffs to like appreciate them. It was like Appreciation Day. Um, and we went, and then some of you wrote in, thank you, these wonderful exhortations or thank yous. They had sent it out to our congregation, and this is what I love about this pastor or that pastor. And the number one thing that I always get from that and from other people is we love the fact that he's just honest and real about his life, that he shares his journey with us. Um, and it helps, it helps us understand that we on this journey, too, can, can keep pressing into knowing Jesus no matter what the storm is, no matter what the situation is, no matter the age, um, that, that God can and do that. And I really appreciate that. And um, I, I've had a lot of people go, who've gone through dark times reach out to me, too. And it's a powerful ministry that I've had during COVID that a lot of people that are going through difficult times sort of call me or text me. And I think it's because I'm that way. Like, they know they can be honest and real with me, and we can work this thing out. And some of them made good choices. Some of them didn't make very great choices. And, um, and that's one of the reasons I don't give religious one-liners. You know, little one-liners for people. You know, Christian bumper sticker stuff. Um, after 30 years, usually people who like the one-liners are like 30-year-olds who've never been sick, Right? or newly, newlyweds have never been disappointed, or marriages that have never known heartache, um, people who have gone through a divorce through no fault of their own. Um, bumper stickers are, are great when your kids are young and baby's cute, but talk to me when they're two years old or when they're 14 years old, and I will come and help you scrape the bumper sticker off your car. Because <laughs> it just it doesn't, doesn't work anymore. Um, and I love about the book of Psalms, King David. King David wrote songs about victory. He wrote songs about defeat. So my song this morning is, Nobody Knows <laughs> the Trouble I've Seen, right? That's because um, he wrote songs about the beauty of life. He wrote songs about the agony of defeat. He wrote songs about wonderful people. He wrote songs about uh, terrible people. So as I've been studying the God of the Covenant, which is a series that we're in, we've come to this wonderful, beautiful realization that God is a God of choice. He gave us choice. True love demands choice. We can choose him or we cannot choose him. We can choose righteousness or we can choose unrighteousness. We can be obedient to his word or not obedient. And when choice is involved, and it's not like God is restricted or his hands are tied behind his back, but he's chosen to allow us to have the choices and to let those choices play out because he wants to be loved from a heart of, of choice. But when that happens, it means that you can literally give 100% of your heart to somebody in marriage and they can choose not to do the same. 
and your life will be impacted by their choice. It takes two to tangle. But if one person doesn't want to dance anymore, that's not your fault. It's not God's fault. That's their choice. That's their fault. But you're going to be impacted by that, right? We're impacted in this world by people who've chosen not to do righteousness, to do unrighteousness. And people have been impacted by that. And one day, they will answer to God for their choices. Now, that shouldn't make you happy, right? You're like, yes. Um, and we've seen this over and over in life and in the scriptures as we're talking about this series that God gave choice and people make bad decisions um, and it impacts other people's lives. Adam and Eve, don't eat the apple. They eat the apple. And the curse falls on mankind. Now we are going to physically die one day. The days of Noah, wickedness everywhere. God sends a flood. Reboot, it impacted the earth. David and Bathsheba, we talked about them a couple weeks ago. They sinned. It cost a man his life. You say, well, why doesn't God stop that? Because he's a God of choice. I mean, he has to be. If, he's, if he wants to be chosen by us, sometimes choices have to be played out. And that's what the scripture says. I quote this a lot. Is you can't mock God. You can't. Because you will reap what you sow. You can't just go ahead and say, well then, why don't I just give up? Why don't I even try? If It just seems like the beast of my flesh is so strong, it's so hard. Because when you make bad choices, it hurts other people. And when you make bad choices, it can put a wedge between your relationship with God. And what we will learn today is that God gave us a gift that will help us make good decisions, that will help us stop sinning. And um, we've talked about six different covenants. There's probably seven in the Bible. We're taking on six. Um, We talked about the covenant with Adam and Eve in Eden. We talked about the covenant God made with Noah. We've talked about the covenant that God made with Abraham, that he made with Moses and David. We have one more left, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit this week. I really wanted to speak this message, and I really want to speak this message right now. Um, That God is a God of deliverance, and he does that in many ways through um, water baptism. And we're going to have that coming up in a couple weeks, as you saw on August 22nd. Every year we have a pool party living at uh, Litchfield Park Pool. We rent it out. And then during that time, we have a great celebration of baptism. So we're going to go back to Israel, the covenant God made with Israel and that God made with uh, Moses. We're going to be in a couple different portions of Scripture. If you've been here for a while, you know that I like to read uh, portions whenever I preach um, because I think it just gives us a better understanding of the totality of what's being said. So chapter 19 of Exodus, verses 3 through 6. This is the first time that God reveals himself. Um, and, and makes the covenant. It says, Moses climbed to the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord God called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey my covenant, you will be, I love this, my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. 
You know, that's our, that's, that promise extends to us now. We will come into faith with Jesus Christ. We will be his own special treasure. And you will be my kingdoms of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. And so this is the covenant that God is making. Now remember, we have to have the background for this. They had spent 400 years in slavery because, again, of rebellion in Egypt. And God had been silent for this time. And people are praying and people are believing. But during this time, they are servants to a heavy taskmaster who has enslaved them and forces them into labor. And they have nothing of their own. So God has not forgotten them. He remembers their prayers, the scripture says. And God sends a deliverer, Charlton Heston. And no, I'm just kidding. That's for the, the old people know what that's talking about, right? If you watch the, the movie, The Ten Commandments. He sends Moses. And then God sends plagues. When he comes, Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he says, no. So God sends plagues. And what's interesting, and there's a reason why, that God sends a plague that directly correlates to a false god of the Egyptians to counteract, to prove to his people. The first one, his name is, uh, I can't probably say it, Hapai, the Egyptian god of the Nile. And this was, the Egyptian god was a water bearer, and so God turns the Nile into blood from water. And then Heka, the Egyptian goddess of fertility, water, and renewal, that goddess had a frog head. And so God sends the plagues of frogs upon the land. Um, the next Egyptian god, Geb, was over the earth, the dust of the earth. And so God sends this plague from lice that comes from the dust of the earth. The next one was the God of creation, the movement of sun and rebirth. He had the head of a fly, and you know that God sent the swarm of flies was another curse upon the land. Hathor was the goddess of love and protection, and she was usually depicted with the head of a cow. So God sends the plague of cattle and livestock dying. Isis was the goddess of medicine and peace. And God turns ashes and he turns uh, boils and sores upon the people. Then there was Nut, literally N-U-T, was the Egyptian goddess of the pecan, or pecan. No, no, just, no, I'm just, sorry, I'm tired. Yeah, like, turn the person. No, he's always like this, but anyway. Um, <laughs> It was the, the Egyptian god of the sky. And God sent hail down in the form of fire from the sky. And then Seps was the Egyptian god of storms and disorder. And God sent locusts as a, as a storm of, it's like a storm of locusts coming in. And the Ra, the sun god, God sent three days of darkness. And then Pharaoh was the ultimate power of Egyptians. God sends the death of the firstborn, who was the Pharaoh. So God goes through and destroys all the false gods of the Egyptians. And says, I'm bigger, stronger, more powerful than these gods that you have known for 400 years that you've seen. I am the Lord God Almighty. And so finally Pharaoh says, go. And they go in this mass, and they get to the Red Sea, 
And then Pharaoh, in this, changes his mind and sends his armies to destroy the armies or the, the people of God. And they're up against the Red Sea, and the armies are coming. Of course, we know what happens. And the Red Sea gets parted. They walk across. And then after they get to the other side, the people that had enslaved them for 400 years, that people who had worshipped those false gods, were buried in that river that day. And there's a reason. You have to remember that. Now they're going towards the promised land. And you would think, of course, they believe because see God do all this. Like they just have full of faith. That didn't happen. Um, these people are now begging to go back to Egypt because it would be easier. So there are 40 days or 40 years in the desert than wandering around. No promised land for that generation. And so they're finally to the place they're about to go in. And these, the, the covenant part B is found in Deuteronomy 28. Because Moses is speaking to them about, they're about to go in. And he says this in verse 1, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all the blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. I read that and I'm like, why don't he just say that from the beginning? Like, but you know why? Because we have faith for certain things and not for other things, right? If God has blessed you in one area, like I just have all this faith in the world that he takes care of my finances because he always has. Like I have that faith. And some of you have faith in other areas. You're like, you know, I've seen God work really well in this. But God wants you to go, no, you may not think it's that area. Like, you may think that's not the area, but it's the area. Like, you will be blessed there. And you may think you have, but you're going to be blessed there. And there, and there, and there. By the way, all of it. If you keep my commands, wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord, verse 7, will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven directions. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouse with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as a holy people he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord. And they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Blessings with many children, numerous livestock, and abundance crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens. So grateful he's been blessing Arizona with his rich treasury in the heavens. And so much needed rain, and the Lord has really answered our prayers. And he will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today 
And if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow any other gods or worship them. If you read along, then he goes in sort of to the curses. If you don't do this, this is what life's going to look for you. But they're about to enter the promised land after 40 years, after complaining and rebellion. And, catch this, as they go, they have to cross a river. And just like God did before, he opens up the waters. Except this time when they walk across, there's not an army chasing them. This time, Moses tells the leader of every tribe, there's 12 tribes, to grab a stone. And when you get to the other side and the waters recede and we all get over there safely, you stack these stones up and it will be a memorial of what God did here. It will be a testimony. He says literally, a testimony to all the other nations that God is great and what he did here today. So they do that. They walk across with the Ark of the Covenant as they do the water split. And they do exactly that. Um, and it's just a powerful illustration. So let me put the two together, all right? 400 years of slavery. They get a deliverer. They get to the Red Sea, and the very things that have enslaved them forever is chasing them down. So God parts the waters. They walk across, and everything that had enslaved them was taken out. They're about to go into the promised land. Forty years of complaining. God opens up the waters. They walk across on dry land, taking stones so they can set them up so all the world will know that God is great. This picture, it's so amazing, <laughs> that God could do two things at one time. <laughs> he could deliver his people and show us the power of water baptism. He can set his people into a promised land and show us the power of water baptism. It's a symbolism. See, there's two things about water baptism that are true. It's a testimony to what God has done in your life. It's saying to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He has touched my life. He has saved me. It's part of confessing with your mouth. You know, Romans uh, chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that Jesus has risen from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. So baptism is a part of confessing with your mouth. It's a worldwide testimony of what God has done. And I've had people say to me, um, it's, a, it's a theological argument, like, can you be um, saved and not be water baptized? And um, probably, if you want to play that game out, anytime somebody comes to me, can you be saved and still do this? Can you be saved and not do this? I'm just like, why would you even ask that question? Like, confess Jesus is Lord of your life. That's a confession you have to make to be saved. He's the Lord of my life. And I think right now we got in trouble in this world because the followers of Jesus act like they just got an upgraded vehicle. 
Like, we're all, we're all driving cars in this world, and I'm sorry about the jalopy that you drive, but if you come to Jesus, you get a BMW with leather seats. <laughs> that may be true, right? Yeah? But following Jesus as Lord isn't like we're all going in the same direction, I have a better car. It's I've gotten off the off-ramp, I'm going the other way now. And it's, it's saying, hey, I don't care what you drive, you're going the wrong way. He's the Lord of my life, and I figured that out, I've received him, I now have. That's what repentance means, turned, and I'm going the other way. That's confessing with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord of my life, he gets control of everything. And so if that's true, why wouldn't you be baptized? Why would you, I mean, why, why even go down that road? Confess him as Lord. That's a part of, of baptism. It's a statement. Now, here's the other thing. It's so powerful about water baptism. Water baptism is, is a sign. I even think something spiritually happens where the things that kept you enslaved before Jesus Christ are buried. And they no longer have power over you. Romans chapter 6. When I was young, I had this memorized. But I am no longer young. Verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how, we, how can we continue in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? That's the symbolism as you go down. For we died... And we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know, here we go, that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, in water baptism, that's what he's talking about, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will no longer die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not Give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, <laughs> but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. 
For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Just like the crossing of the Red Sea, that moment that you came into faith into Christ, he opened up the Red Sea, you went on the other side, all the things that kept you enslaved, all the sin that had power over you, that dominated your life, this scripture says, because Christ nailed them to the cross, was crucified, they died in that watery grave. And so he says this, because of that, you shall now consider yourselves dead to sin. It no longer has power over your life. So he says, why, why then would you give any parts of your body to anything other than God? <laughs> like, you don't have to do that. Like, you're, this is what happened there. And so I realized that, sort of like the children of Israel, we can grumble and complain and do things wrong at times. But here's what I would say to you. Like, I don't know that really, uh, let me say it this way. I've never found in my life that mm, straining and trying harder had the impact that I wanted it to have. I found in my life that believing deeper and stronger and understanding the impact of Christ in my life and what he did has had a way better effect on me in this regard. So I did something, and I'm going to show it to you. I, 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 probably every couple of years you see me do this. I made Romans 6 personalized. And so I plugged in me, and I plugged in, I'm just using lying for illustrations, all right? I, I don't have a problem lying, okay? I'm telling the truth right now. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm using lying. So I would do this. I would, I, would, I would repeat this. That's why I had it memorized. Well, then, should I keep on lying? So that God can show me more and more his wonderful grace. Of course not. Since I have died to lying. See, you could say, I've died to that. I'm dead to that. How can I continue to live in it? Or have I forgotten that when I was joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, I joined him in his death, for I died and I was buried with Christ by baptism. And as just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now I may also live a new life. Since I've been united with him in his death, I will be also raised to life as he was. I know that my old lying self was crucified with Christ so that lying might lose its power in my life. You can do that through the whole chapter. I mean, yeah, you can. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. He gets, he gets paid to clap, so he gets it. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay, there's a bonus, right? There's your quarterly bonus right there. Um, it's, I'm telling you right now, if you want to get serious about this, two things, get baptized, if you haven't been. It's a supernatural experience that I can never explain to you. And, um, and then memorize the scripture in a personal way. And plug it in. And I'm telling you, after you say it about the 50th or 60th time, you really begin to believe it. And you can just say when that thing starts to raise its ugly head, you're dead, man. I died to you. You don't have master. You're not my master anymore. You were buried in that Red Sea. And you don't have control over my life anymore. 
And that will give you more freedom. But you have to have a moment that you can look back to. You have to have that moment to say, that was the moment when I was water baptized that they all died. Because I was buried with Christ and I was raised to new life. And so if you haven't been baptized, you can go on our website and check that out. You can go back to the counter as you leave today. If you've come to faith, the first step is really to come to faith. And I would like to have you stand with me today, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. And if you've never prayed that prayer, um, as I speak it, you can say yes to that in your heart. You can even speak it out and say yes. At the end, you can say yes or amen. And the scripture says if you believe that with your heart and confess that with your mouth, you'll be saved. And so the second step is to make that confession. So, Father, I want to thank you that you gave your son, your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this sinful earth so that he might carry all the burdens and the shame and the sin of the entire world that was, that is, and that is to come. And that means me, too. And I'm sorry that I have neglected that for too long. And I'm sorry that I have tried to live my own way. But today, Father, I receive Christ as my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be 